Uh, we're talking this week about uh, Pride Month, and uh, I'm, I'm honestly really excited uh, and also a little scared um, simply because of the conversation around the homosexual debate in our country. And uh, even within the people that listen to this podcast, honestly, there's we are not all homogenized in what we feel and think when it comes to this conversation. Um, you know, we all have slightly different views. Even me and you, Ashlyn, we have different views uh, when, it, when it comes to this stuff. And so I, I always, when I approach these conversations that are sensitive in nature, I always uh, want to approach with caution and grace and humility, knowing first that my viewpoint is likely wrong out of the gate. It's, it's probably wrong. And if I can start at a place of, of humility, if I can start at a place of honesty and just begin to ask simple questions, I feel like that is such a great place to start. That is good, man. Um, I think it's good. I think it's good to approach anything, especially anything that's debatable or can, you know, has contentious conversation around it with that perspective that um, I can be wrong and I have to be willing to to be wrong. But I think you also have to approach conversations like this f- from a from a principled standpoint. It's I mean, you know, hopefully you've gathered enough information and and thought enough about what you think um which is funny so we had this conversation with um with lauren and robert uh and but at no point did it really come up um like how we might think differently about this honestly i was surprised you said that 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 we we probably think differently or or feel differently yeah so i guess i want to i want to explore that like if that's okay with like what do you what do you think yeah yeah well i mean because i I thought we were pretty well aligned that like love is love and it's all you know (laughs) like (laughs) we're gay gay affirming yeah that's that's certainly my perspective i'm curious what you think you know and i would i would agree i would say that we are probably um as close to uh, the fidelity that you can reach between two humans in a single viewpoint. Um, my perspective is different than yours simply because I'm a different human. Um, even though we likely feel very, very similar, it's not the same. Um, it's it's very similar. And so I'm coming from a perspective of a different background and a different upbringing and all of these things. Yeah, it's and I'm not I'm not saying you feel differently than I do about this one subject probably saying um we both come from different places and found a similar ground um uh and so when i say we're not all homogenous on this um i'm saying the way i specifically feel is probably different than you just because i'm a different person but how i do feel yes of course i'm (laughs) i'm not just gay affirming i'm i'm a i'm human affirming and like if you are a human and you have a heartbeat and you have uh you know ears to hear this podcast or not um then you are still uh completely welcome into my life um and that's you know i can't think of a more christ-like behavior than complete and utter acceptance at the table in which we sit so yes (laughs) i am with you i agree with you gay and homo affirming on every every level Um, gay all the way gay is the way 
is it is, <laughs> it is the way yeah because once you go straight you you go right back to gay <laughs> yeah. every time every, every time, time. I think, yeah man i'm straight nope nope little gay nope nope, still, nope. uh so which brings up an interesting point so mark and i are in fact two uh heterosexual men i think we both identify as as heterosexual um as you know as that goes and so it's it's probably you know strange i guess that that we're having this conversation or that like i don't know i feel a little weird i feel like we're maybe inviting ourselves to the table a little bit um but for us and the discussions we had behind the scenes i think it's just important um to uh to have the dialogue and to and to have a conversation and 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 to bring it up if that makes sense you know like um mark and i have never lived through a lot of the discrimination uh that gay people have to deal with and and we've never had to think about um you know some of the challenges that come along with that um, we're both very, very privileged in that sense because of our, our sexuality, right? We're both straight white men and we, we live lives that are, you know, certainly give us advantages. I think we can both acknowledge because of that. Um, so that's kind of why, honestly, we, we both feel this way. We both feel it's an important thing to, to discuss and talk about. And so that's what led to this. And, and, you know, we put our heads together and definitely wanted to have a conversation with some people that um, we thought would bring some uh, some really cool perspective and and challenges to us, and we got to ask some good questions, I think, and and just have dialogue that you don't just get to normally have every day, right? You don't just walk into work and like, you know, or or walk to school or or you know just have a conversation like this. So um, yeah, I think it was really good. Yeah, I, and you know, I'm, I really appreciate. Uh, Lauren and Robert for coming on the show. Uh, Lauren has told her story in a uh, previous episode. I believe it was um, The Uncensored Christian Part 1. Uh, and uh, please go back and listen. It's it's a powerful story um, and, and it's worth listening to. But, you know, I think uh, even more importantly, uh, what this is for me and you, Ashlyn, is this is us like and I refer back to this table a lot. I talk about a table having a table. And the reason I talk about a table is because a table is where you sit and eat with those that are closest with you. And eating is is such an intimate thing like we 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 never really associate it with that, but when you eat with someone you are providing sustenance and nutrition. And and it's almost like this moment when you're sitting down with someone and it's not about the food anymore, when the meal becomes more than the meal. And, and that, that moment of divine connection between the two. So when I invite somebody to my table, I'm saying, I want to share a meal with you. I'm also saying, I want to share life with you. I want to hear your story. And so when we have a platform and we have a day like today um, where these uh, beautiful humans can come on our podcast and share their story, what we're doing for a moment is shutting up, is allowing someone to tell the story that us as straight white men have no idea about. So in a sense, we are giving individuals, giving humans platforms where in the past and notoriously in this country 
straight white men speak very loudly. So in this episode, what we want to do is we want to be quiet and let those stories come to the surface. All right, before we start, Robert, we always, we have to ask a question um, about you first. Uh, and I think Lauren's answered this and Ashlyn also has answered this. So you okay. have to, in good taste and good fun, have to answer this. Well, not in good taste. It does not yeah. have good taste. <laughs> In, in, it can be very poor ter- taste. Poor taste. Um, okay. uh, would you rather have teeth as pubes or pubes as teeth? I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what I signed up for. Um, I would rather have... No, I would rather have pubes as teeth. The, the thought of having teeth anywhere other than my mouth? Really disgusts me, actually. Like, you know how they have those, like, random, like, ads when you're, like, on a website? And it's like, man finds 15 teeth inside of his shoulder. Like, how did they get there? Like, no, I don't, I don't want teeth anywhere else other than inside my mouth. So Thank you, you. You're good with a full mouth just full of pubes hanging down. Like, you never chew anything again. You're good with that. I mean, I like mashed potatoes, so that is yeah. <laughs> Lauren, was that down. yours, too? No, mine was the opposite. That's right. Yep. Yeah. You wanted a full set yeah. of chompers down below. I know. That's right. <laughs> all, That's weird. All, thir- uh. all 32 teeth lining the rim. Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just to give a visual. Thank well, you for yeah. that. Yeah. Right. That's good. So, well, welcome to the Mark Explains podcast, Robert. Uh, you've. You've done well so far. So, so take us back, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. Um, so currently I'm 32 years old. I live in Lansing, Michigan. Um, I'm an administrative assistant and, um, I work with a population of individuals who, um, need a lot of help. Um, a lot of immigrants, a lot of refugees, a lot of people that are on unemployment. Um, and a lot of people that are nothing like people where I came from. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, came out of the closet when I was 17 years old. I was kind of forced out a little bit. My mom and my mom actually found a love note um, that my boyfriend at the time um, had written me. I left it in my pants while she was doing laundry. She found it. Um, and I get home and my sister Amanda, she's like, mom found the note. And I was like, what? Found what note? Like, just completely, you know, blindsided, shocked, um, but also not shocked. At this point, I was already um, out in school a little bit. Um, so I knew it was going to be just a matter of time before it caught up to like my family life. So you and were you were 17, so this is like senior year in high school. This would have been actually um this would have been junior year of high school. Yep, I was this was at the end of junior year for me. I was a junior. Um at what point because, at what point did sorry. people find out in high school? Like like what was that what was that like coming out in high school? Um so I actually I remember doing it like kind of just a couple of people at a time. Um, and I remember the first person I came out to was also the same person. All right, let me set this up a little bit, actually. So when I was in youth group um, at Bellevue at one of the churches uh, that you guys are familiar with, I think, a little bit, um, I, you know. Was, oh, oh I, no, I, dude. We, we <laughs> call them out all the time. Okay, it's good. Because okay. I'm not a huge fan. So, and this is, a, this is a big part of it. So I went to this youth group. And my main reason for going to youth group was because I had a couple of friends that were going. And one of the friends I had a crush on. Um, and I was just kind of going to youth group because he was there. And, you know, I ended up having my own relationship with God and everything. And my own personal relationship. 
um, but really had nothing to do with this specific church. They did nothing to um, to uh, nurture that. Um, and was fact, I the got, worship leader? Was I the worship leader at the time? You probably were. I, there was some, <laughs> Paul, Paul with long hair. I remember as yep. well. Like a, yeah, a Paul. And and I, I I think like I I remember you coming in. I just didn't know if it was the same timeline, but I remember you and and Tia and Mike, uh, Mains and a few others all kind of coming in in a group. Yeah. So the- and it was it was a big social thing for us. I don't think we really took oh, it yeah. seriously for what it was supposed to be. So and that's you know hindsight and it just like it was like a, a just a, something to do to be honest for myself. Um, and then I got to a point where I would start to attend the, the services on Sundays. And there was one service in particular where I just I, I could I swear on my life they were talking straight to me about, you know, homosexuality and all of this and all of that. And I just I never went back after that. It was just like the turning point. Um, but by that point, when I was actually in the youth group, I was already out at school as well. Um, and when I came out at school, it was just kind of like to one person at a time. And then it just kind of spiraled. Everybody knew. Um and that was okay. I mean, it was one of those things where, like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had been called. Like, can we swear? Can I say things? Fuck yeah, <laughs> you can. Please, <laughs> well, I mean, please do. I, ha- I can't tell you how many times up until this point I had already been called a faggot. So when I came out, it wasn't really a surprise to anybody. And so it was kind of great because that word sort of didn't mean anything anymore. Um, hmm. And high school life was okay. It wasn't terrible. It could have been a lot worse. Um, and I'm very grateful for that because looking back on it, I know when I was in the middle of it, you know, there were bullies here and there, um, but it wasn't as bad as what it could have been. My biggest bully actually was my cousin, um, who I was in the same grade with. He was the absolute worst person I've ever known. Um, and he didn't just, he wasn't just like rude to me. Some of the things that he would say to me were just like disgusting and they were so disturbing and they've stayed with me until like this day. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, dude, I can't go to school he the things that he's saying to me are just like really making me uncomfortable and so he ended up talking to my uncle who talked to my cousin and then the next day um, he made it very clear that if he were to say anything it would get back to his dad and I was like well good because that's what I wanted Um, but that was literally like that was that was the hardest part of school was because this you know particular cousin he and I were fine up until he learned this particular fact about me and I haven't spoken to him since like maybe at some point in senior year. Um, and that's just fine. Like getting rid of those types of people is important, but um, it could have been a lot worse. And I, I think about that a lot and I'm really grateful for that. I, I, I remember there was a specific incident when I was at the VOED center, like the technical center that we went to for half the day for whatever training it is that we wanted. And somebody was you know, there was this guy from Olivet and he just kind of cornered me with a couple of other guys and they started to threaten me. And, um, a couple of the girls that I was in class with came in, just like stuck up for me. And like, I was a wreck though. I was like bawling. That was the closest I'd ever gotten to like getting my ass kicked. And I literally did nothing to deserve it. I just showed up. It was just, um, it was the fact that you oh, were, yeah, just were the gay. Fact that yeah. And, yeah, and they... I was talking to their girlfriends and like, you know, I was I was friends with a lot of the girls that they knew from Olivet, and they just they didn't like that, and it just was it it turned into this like oh really oh, they, situation. Were, were they like worried that your gayness was going to rub off on their girlfriends? Yeah. I, I don't understand I guess, that at I don't all. Understand it either. It's just like they they didn't want them talking to me or something. Wow, it was, just, it was bizarre. Um, and I think about how um like when I was thinking about what to say and like how I was going to like tell my story and you know go about that. I, um, 
there's no doubt in my mind that like going through just you know being at such a young age and coming out and like having all this pushback like it definitely molded me into somebody that's a lot stronger today like i don't take shit from anybody i'm an activist in my community as much as i can be i'm um just somebody that knows that i i let those types of traumas mold me into a better person but i know that that's not the case for a lot of gay youth and so i i was counting my blessings a little bit today when i was thinking about all the things that i'd gone through and where i'm at now At what point did you know? Like, no, no. Um, so I, I actually remember this exactly. Um, I, it was puberty. I was like 13 years old, 12 or 13. Um, and there was somebody on TV, like a guy on TV. And I remember being like, holy shit, you're gay. Like, I, I like those, those <laughs> words. Like, and it was like, okay, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Because I actually remember it was an Herbal Essence commercial. And it was <laughs> literally a shampoo commercial. <laughs> and I, just, <laughs> I remember, I literally, <laughs> I remember being so, like, I had no idea, but. Never looked at a sh- the shampoo aisle uh, the, the same again, you know? Oh, my gosh. My wife oh. says that to me all the time. Holy shit, you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Robbie, um, I have to give it to you, man. That's uh, It's amazing that you came out in the town that we grew up in as soon as you did, honestly. Because um, I pretty much figured it out at the same age that you did. Um, and... <clears throat> Um, was I mean, it still took me another 10 years and <laughs> yeah. moving out of that town because I knew um, that I would probably go through similar things that you actually had to go through. And um, I give it to you because that's that's amazing. I wish I wish I would have had a little more of that when I was your age, but that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's nice to hear. I, um, <laughs> I, I, I credit my my best friend who was actually in Ashland's grade. Um, his name is Michael. He I live with him now, actually. 15 years later. No, not 15. I'm not that old. How old am I? I mean, it's a solid like 14 years ago. Yeah. Um, Michael, he was gay too. And he was a, a sophomore when I was a junior. And we came out at the exact same time. So I can't tell you how lucky I got to have that. Like, I had somebody in my corner that was going through the exact same thing I was going through. And it almost made us invincible to be honest like that and that just like i'm so grateful for like the friendship that i have with him and how it's just like turned us both into these people that are like pretty strong-willed i would say yeah that's awesome you know it's it's a little frustrating honestly for for me to think about the whole um construct of homosexuality and what it's been built into uh, and it's specifically the gender roles between the two. Cause I think, you know, like I'm, I'm projecting myself backwards, um, to let's say 2004, 2005 mark when I had pretty strong convictions on what gay was, but I even throw myself further back than that. And like calling someone gay was a derogatory term, uh, term yeah. in high school, but not for females specifically for males like if a a girl would never call another girl gay as like as a slam or as you know as an insult it was definitely constructed for the male ego 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's in a sense, it's, it's weird how, um, you know, like Lauren, you're, you're coming out with a completely different story. And I think a lot of that is, um, family oriented and, and religiously based and, and how you, the construct that you lived in was, was revolving around your family and around your church and around your faith. And Robbie, yours was around your community and your school and how these are two entirely separate um, entirely separate stories of the same thing and how it's, it's frustrating for me when I think about that, because I'm like, I, I for me, even now, because of what I went through and I, I'm trying to shed these ideas, but like, like if I'm thinking of an insult to call Ash and I'm like, Oh, you're so gay. And I'm like trying to stop doing that because that isn't an insult. I mean, a, a, a way to identify which is normal should not be an insult. It, it, yeah. it can't mm-hmm. be an insult. And, and so, like, I think of, like, even now when I see two gay women walking and holding hands, I, in a sense, I, I'm like, man, that's beautiful. And then I see two gay men and I'm like, man, that must be tough. And I'm like, that, that entire thought process, even though it has evolved to this point, is still wrong. And I'm trying to overcome it. And that's simply because of uh, the constructs that this society puts on gay men almost yeah. over gay women. I, I think I can speak on that a little bit in the sense that, like, I, I feel like a lot of straight men, the, the men that are insecure and the men that are saying certain things against, you know, gay male couples, they look at gay female couples and it's almost like uh, a game to them. You know, like I most recently I can think of in, in the UK, there was um, a, a lesbian couple that was on a train and these um, this gang, a couple of younger kids, I think, um, tried to get these two women to kiss and they didn't want to kiss. And so they beat them. And in my head, I just kept thinking about that. Like, I'll never have to go through that as a lesbian. You know what I mean? I'll never have to be somebody's sick fantasy because that's all that they think that it is. And I think that's where it plays a role in how gay men are treated over gay women sometimes. Mm-hmm. Something interesting, too, is um, when, when I came out to one of my friends, um, it's interesting because she, after that, of course, she told her husband about it. And, I, and the, these, this is a very Christian couple. Um, she said his response was that he could understand why women could be gay but still didn't understand why men could be gay and i thought that was so interesting and i've i've honestly tried to kind of pick that apart and try to figure out why that is but it's funny because i've i've heard it from several different places and um to be honest i don't have an answer for that like you said you know there's there's a fantasy aspect of it i guess um for some guys but like i don't know it's it's just kind of an interesting uh concept not that he even agreed with being gay at all from either side but just that he could understand it happening more easily for women than for men and i'm not sure why that is so let's talk a little bit about the science behind sexuality When we talk about the homosexual debate, everyone thinks about gender as this binary, male or female, boy or girl. And then the conversation comes in, like, were you born that way or did you come into it? 
But speaking scientifically, science kind of blows all of these constructs out of the water. Gender is an interesting construct, but it's also very unique to only humans. There are asexual animals, and in the Animalia Kingdom and in Evolution, asexual reproduction far predates sexual reproduction. When we look at the gender in the Animalia Kingdom, there are quite a few species that are both male and female, and there are even animals that can spontaneously change their gender from male to female. Like for example, the clownfish, which is a very complex vertebrate animal. They are all born male. The most dominant male clownfish in the pack will turn to female for allow for breeding. Now, would that be considered gay? Like, of, co of course not. Like, but when we look at sexual dimorphism in humans, which are a much more complex species than the clownfish, a much far greater complex Im image emerges. So humans are basically both genders for the first six weeks after conception. We start with genetic potential within our chromosomes, but that doesn't have any effect on our physiology or our phenotypes for six to seven weeks. Around that time, humans have sexual dimorphism and our tissues begin to differentiate depending on which phenotype is taking shape. Now, all humans and actually all mammals would be born as female unless there is this critical moment in where specific hormones interact with base tissue, and that is how a male is produced, like me. Now, these interactions happen in the vast majority of humans that are genetically composed of genotypes that are predominantly male, but we are talking about the tissue that it either becomes a labia or a scrotum, ovaries or a testicle, a clitoris or a penis. And in most cases, you get a baby boy or a baby girl. And this appears to fit a gender binary. However, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes the penis doesn't get enough hormones and it stays nearly the size of a clitoris and you have micropenis. Or you get a female clitoris that gets too much male hormones and gets large and you have a very large clitoris or almost a small penis. You could have a child born with a micropenis and an internal testicles, which would appear female at birth, but it would have XY chromosomes as male genetically. And in fact, one in every thousand infants born are gender ambiguous. That means that modern trained medical professionals and all of the technology that we have cannot accurately make a clear determination on whether that child is male or female. You can even have instances where the child appears to be either male or female, but as time goes on, the wrong or no secondary sex characteristics appear. So what we think is this simple dichotomy is in fact remarkably complex. And this ladders up into orientation. So sexual orientation is entirely unique to human species as well. Most animals in the animal kingdom inhibit same sex sexual interactions, including mammals, including dolphins and elephants, including complex vertebrate mammals, all of them. If we talk about specifically humans, talking about sexual gender and orientation, there are some interesting things to look at. First of all, if an individual's genitals are sexually ambiguous, or if they may have both sets of male and female genitalia, how do they decide which gender orientation they are? Or how did they decide which gender they're attracted to? What if they're attracted to both? What if they're attracted to neither? How would we determine what is straight? 
for those people. What about boys who have normal penises but don't get any se uh, secondary sex characteristics? Or what about boys who naturally grow breasts? What about that? The thing is that scientifically speaking, sexual attraction is remarkably complex and also very poorly understood. Scientifically speaking, this undermines the choice paradigm of sexual orientation. Straight and gay does not exist. They are human constructs that are projected onto science. I personally identify as a male and heterosexual, and I'm not even saying that the gross majority of human population doesn't fit into either one of those. But the fact is that science backs the marginalized, the ones that don't fit into the binary constructs that we have created. Even our own DNA backs up the fact that our constructs are tone deaf and simplistic in nature and outright harmful to some. For a Christian male, it probably, um, the reason why, I mean, maybe the reason why Lauren, your, your friend's husband thought that is just because he could not, he could not put himself in the position of someone who wasn't like him. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so it's easy to, to think how women can be attracted to women because he's attracted to women. Right. But it's impossible yeah. for someone in his position to have enough. And, that, and I'm not trying to insult him. Maybe he is a very empathetic person, but to have the empathy and, you know, there's just people who are different. Right. Mm -hmm. He's, in, mm -hmm. in his mind, no one can really be different than this unless it's a choice. So, you know, obviously women can be attracted to women. It's impossible for a man to be attracted to a man. Well, I also yeah. wonder how much of the patriarchal construct that the church puts on. Uh, all the individuals plays into something like that uh, because in church it's predominantly and gross majority is patriarchy. I mean, like how often do you mm -hmm. hear of uh, women as ministers? And when you do, those float to the surface because they're so rare, like the anomalies, yeah. right? And so if patriarchy is built on the man at the top and the women below, a man cannot be with another man because they're both on top. If patriarchy puts the man on the top, then we can't have two men on top. But if the women are below, and if you look at a pyramidal structure, the two and three and four women that are below it, it's, it, it would make sense in that mind, in that structure, that they could you know, be gay, that they could be homosexual. But for a man that is at the top of the structure, he can't be with another man because that doesn't make sense. So, uh, Robert, I also, I have, I have this, this thought process, and I, I almost want to ask you and Lauren to maybe help correct me as I go, or maybe help just finish this thought, because I'm, I feel like my, and I know Ashlyn's right on, on track with this as well, I feel like our, our place in this world, as far as our viewpoints towards, um, honestly, the, the homosexual community um, LGBTQ, um, that entire community, it has kind of progressed to, to where I am now. Because at first, obviously, when I was raised, um, you are not like us. And if you, and if you don't become like us, you will not go into heaven. That is the, I mean, that was the big thesis, you know, of, of all existence. You must be like us in order to yeah. achieve what we are going to achieve. You know, we've already made it in. 
you need to do these things. You need to shed this. You need to get rid of this, you know? And we've already got that. Then I've kind of progressed, obviously, um, like right after um, my big faith crisis, my big change, uh, and I became radically inclusive. Um, after that, it was more like I felt bad and I had this remorse. And I even remember um, th- there's a friend of mine uh, who actually went through masters and now she is married to a woman and she, she actually dated me for a little while, which is strange in masters commission. She might be bisexual, which is totally cool and understandable. But um, I like, I, I found out that she was gay and is marrying a woman and I like felt bad inside and I was like, oh my God, are like, are you okay? <laughs> like that was my response was like, I was worried about her and I needed to ask if she was okay. So I actually called her and talked to him like, I want to hear your story. And she's and she was just like, I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> married and, and I, I'm on a roller derby team. And like, I was like, I was like, yeah, but it must be so hard to be gay and she's like no well it it, it was at certain points but no i'm great i'm fine and so now like i'm kind of evolving and i'm trying to close the gap to where like there is no straight or gay like this construct that we project onto each other like there is like this uh this binary that we have created doesn't exist it's this spectrum that we live in and for you know for for the majority of people you do slide left or slide right you like there is a gross majority that is gay and that is straight but this is a very wide spectrum and there is no there is no zeros and there is no 100s there is no one that is completely gay or completely straight i have found that out and uh you know i am not completely straight i would i would consider myself a heterosexual male and identify that way but I definitely not a hundred percent straight, you know, as, as science would tell you. And I, it's, we, we project these binary constructs onto each other in order to categorize us in, into, into our, our cultural ideas in these social, uh, social identities that fit, that fit these religious stigmas that have built our country. And so now I'm like trying like physically and, and actively to shed this, I am this and you are that. It is, in a sense, like we are people. We are humans. Oh, yeah. oh you are gay? That's that, that whatever. I don't, that's a, that's a thing just like, you know, I have brown hair. That's just a thing. You know, it, it, it's something that is a part of me and it, I guess, I guess at this point, like, I want you to kind of finish these thoughts that I have because this is coming from a straight white male and everything that I have has been taught to me my entire life and the entire process of this entire podcast is unlearning the garbage that we have been taught growing up. So like finish, finish the sentence for every person. Ashlyn, go ahead. I just to tag into this and, and um, maybe phrase up the question another way to um, help, help Mark and I to be better allies because I feel like it's, you know, borderline moral grandstanding to post on, you know, to like project myself as an ally 
uh, for people of color and for uh, refugees and for, you know, the disenfranchised and for the LGBTQ community. And I don't know how that like if that helps or, or how that helps, but I, I want to be helpful. And and so I guess, you know, that's maybe I think, Mark, is that that that's that another way to say it? Like, yeah, h- help me be better at supporting the community and help me be better as a straight white dude, I guess, at understanding and, and just help me be better. And, and, you know, yeah, I guess, yeah. Help me be a better ally. That exact thing. Like if I finish the sentence for all of us that are starting it by saying I was wrong and like at first and then at second and then, and then at third I was wrong and I know I'm not right now, but I'm closer Help us help finish the sentence for all of us that want to be your allies, but don't know how. Uh, um, so sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, Robbie. If you had something, no, um, go ahead, go ahead. I can't <laughs> in afterwards. Okay, help, help us be more dumb with the homos. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Mark, what you said um, was really refreshing. And honestly, for me, is just kind of where I would love for everybody to be at is um, just if people like I don't want to I don't introduce myself. Hey, I'm Lauren and I'm a lesbian. Like, yes, I am gay and I am attracted to women. And that is part of who I am, but it's not all of who I am. I don't introduce myself as, Hey, I'm Lauren and I have brown hair. Like nobody gives a shit. I don't want anybody to give a shit about whether I'm gay or not. I don't introduce myself in that way. And I love when people, when straight people say that, like just see each other as human beings and talk about each other, say, Hey, so-and-so and her wife, and then just move on with the sentence and don't like pause and wait for, you know, this big gasp and mm. Oh my gosh. And, you know, you know, wait to see somebody's reaction. Like, like if people could just like, just make it like, you know, somebody's got blonde hair or, you know, pubes his teeth or whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, that would actually get, get more gas. Oh, I, I would stop at that one. <laughs> this is Lauren. She is a lesbian. Nothing. She has pubes his teeth. Wait, what? <laughs> I have to see. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just also another thought I had while you were um, – asking or from your last statement. Um, so I had a family member, um, this past Christmas after like my whole family kind of got together, sent me a text and it was a very long one that just said it basically, it just said something along the lines of, you know, you seem very down and I just want to encourage you. And they sent me a worship song and, um, you know, just this, like what they kind of saw in this song for me, it was a very, like, it was a very assuming text that I was depressed, um, that I didn't feel worthy, that I, um, had low self-esteem, um, that I was not happy. I couldn't possibly be happy in my life because I'm gay. Like that, Mm. it, 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 it didn't have the words gay in it, but other than that, like it was very assuming. Um, and honestly, um, we haven't even talked about it yet because I'm still trying to kind of gather all my thoughts on it. But um, what I wanted to say was um, the only reason, if at all, that I act down, and I didn't feel that way at all during the family gathering, but the only reason I would act 
that way is because they assume that I should be miserable. They assume that I should have low self-esteem and that I couldn't possibly be happy. And to be honest, I mean, I'm working like 70 hours a week right now and I have insane things happening in my life and I'm exhausted all the time, but I've never been happier before in my life because I've never been more secure in who I am. Um, and I've never had such an amazing community of friends and people supporting me. And like, I am exhausted, but I am in a great place and I'm confident in who I am. And I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't change anything. And, um, I just thought it was very interesting that it, it's automatically assumed. And I notice it in, you know, friends slash acquaintances when I go back home, like they look at me with this deep sorrow Yeah, and I because they think I'm also going to hell, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> like, I feel sorry for them because they can't even have a conversation with me. Mm. They can't ask questions any deeper than, hey, how's work? You know, like other than that, we have nothing to say to each other. Like I would welcome them to challenge me with questions. I would welcome them to ask me what I believe and, and why I believe it now. And they'd probably be really freaking surprised of what I would say because um, not a lot has changed with how I see God and my, honestly, my love for God in all of this, but, um, it's funny how everybody is so very assuming. Um, and maybe just a little less of the, um, assumptions and just more of like seeing people as human beings and just leaving it at that would be really refreshing. So, uh, a little bit to go back to what you were speaking about, Mark, you know, asking about, um, you know, thinking about how sorry you were for how you maybe once felt or didn't feel. Um, I mean, the four of us have been alive at a time where so much has happened for gay people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been so much progress and there's going to continue to be so much upward mobility when it comes to gay rights and rights for the LGBT community. Um, so it's good that you're thinking about the things that you used to be and the things that you used to say and how you're adapting now, because it's not going to stop. It's going to keep going and you're going in the right direction. And I think that's really important. And Ashton or Ashlyn, excuse me. (laughs) um, You asked a question about how you can be a better ally. You guys are already doing it. You know, you guys are giving a platform for people like Lauren and myself to not only share our stories, but share our perspective on things. And that's huge. You know, you, you don't necessarily have to get out there and march in a pride parade to show your support. That'd be cool if you wanted to. Um, but it, it's not all about just physical visibility. It's about listening. It's about opening up. And it's about facilitating conversations within groups of people that you know are going to be willing to listen. And that's what you're doing right now. Robert, let me ask you one one question. Um, I, you, you, went, you went to church a little bit. It, it wasn't a good experience in any capacity years passed and then me and you worked at a community college together randomly in some really randomly yeah in some audio video department in a basement somewhere i ran into you and i was like what the fuck robert yeah it took us a second to realize who each other were and i remember that i remember vividly you almost had like a visceral reaction at first because you're Mark. <laughs> yeah, I was the worship leader to a church that didn't accept you. And now here we were working side by side. And I think it took you about 30 minutes of conversation. And I remember you saying something like, man, it feels really good for you 
to say these things and to be a friend because I didn't think that's, you know, I didn't think you were going, that was going to happen. Cause I think yeah. it had been about eight or nine years from the initial point in 2003 to like 2012 when that happened. Um, but what, what, what type of faith or no faith or like, talk to me a little bit about that and like, like, like who is God? Is, is there even a God in your life? What does that look like? How has that come to a point since then? Because I mean, if you had a bad experience, then it would make sense that you would shed it all. It would make sense. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, I, I'm at a point in my life where I value the idea of something, um, over the, uh, the, the nest, like not necessarily something tangible or something that like, you know, Hold on, let me think about this for a second. This is loaded. I should have been thinking about this earlier because I knew this was going to come up. Too. <laughs> and I want um, I, here while you think about it, I'm going to back that up by saying, I think all of us have had a pretty f- large faith crisis in deconstruction, and for a long while, I was like a nihilist and didn't care if there was a god because it didn't matter and nothing mattered and we when we died we go to nothing because there was nothing before we were born and that's what makes sense and then there was no god and i was an atheist for a while and it, so there is no wrong answer here um i i want an honest answer about where you are because that the, from the honest point that's where people are going to connect with you where i'm at honestly right now is at a place where i don't necessarily believe in a specific god um i don't necessarily believe in a christian god or any any specific um, any specific deity or Lord or anything like that. Um, what I believe in is faith and I believe in, um, being able to connect with people, um, on a level that has more to do with something that I can't see. Um, and you're right. Having, having the experience I had when I was younger, definitely jaded me a little bit in regard to, um, in particular Christianity and Western sort of, um, religion in general. Um, and it's, it's not something I've struggled with necessarily. It was one of those things where, uh, I, I wasn't necessarily raised the same way as a lot of you guys may have been. Uh, so religion was never really a huge part of my household. And it was something that I explored on my own. And it's something that I sort of just found wasn't really for me at the time. Um, I believe I, I surround myself with a lot of friends, a lot of people at work that are believers and are of the Christian faith. And I love them for that because a lot of the times if you're going through something and they tell you that they're going to pray for you, in my head, I'm like, well, that's them doing what they think is, you know, the best thing that they can do for me. And that is great. That makes me feel great. You know, if somebody tells me that they want to pray for me, that's amazing. Um, I don't pray. You know, I don't know who I would pray to. Maybe RuPaul. Uh, but I, I don't. <laughs> it's... Wait, 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 wait. Who's who's RuPaul? Oh, stop. <laughs> um, Robbie, I, uh... again, that's that just circles your evolved position. Yeah. Because, and I spoke to Mark about this on another podcast that's yet yet to be released. But um, when people tell me they're going to pray for me, that pisses me off. As a Christian, like as someone who still believes in God, you know, at, at, on some levels, um, I feel like that's the most condescending, mm. uh, frustrating thing to hear. And like yes. Lauren, like in your story, like how, con- like I'm just thinking, like I'm getting anxious hearing that story about that family member because how condescending and awful, yeah. you know. And so, Robbie, that's so cool. Robert, I've never <laughs> called you Robbie. Yeah, I've known you. 
I've known you since we were toddlers. I'll talk about that in a second, actually. Oh, literally <laughs> totally toddlers. Our, our parents were close friends. I've known you yeah. my entire life. I've never called you Robbie until right now. <laughs> Robbie, talk about that in a second. You're how projecting Robbie. You to hear that people are praying for you and to think, wow, that's cool. That's what they, you know, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Because I don't I even don't, think I, that way. I don't want to get it confused with, you know, anytime something happens in America and all people want to offer is thoughts yeah. and prayers. That's yeah. different. You that's know, that's, 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 that's very different. It, to me, it's the people that I'm close to and the people that I love and that I know they love me. That's why I believe them. You know, um, there might be some family members in the same sense that Lauren had. You know, I have a, an uncle that I don't speak to because he just sees me as the gay nephew. You know, he doesn't know any other yeah. part of my life and he doesn't care that. to. And I don't care to share it at this point, you know, like <laughs> yeah. It's what it is. Um, yeah, I think, Robbie, I, so I, I kind of, I, I swim in the confluence between uh, you, Robert, and you, Ashlyn, uh, of the, my knee-jerk reaction is, I'm, I'm like, you're an asshole. Stop, stop putting yourself higher than me when you say, oh, I'll pray for you. That means like I am over you and you are sinking in the water and I will pull you out with my prayers. It's like, it's another way of saying you need prayer. Yeah, like you, right. like, like you are your, struggling. Your perspective is so fucked up that yep. you need right. this prayer. And, and so yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of resting between that and then being able to just take a deep breath and then honestly, Robert, with what you say, and I kind of take a step back and, and realize these, this person cares deeply about my well-being. And so that's kind yeah. of where I swim. My knee jerk is you're an asshole. And then I take a breath and then I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I kind of like have that moment of trying to gauge whether it's just a cop out or if it's sincere. I think sometimes it's sincere. Um, but a lot of times it feels like a cop out and an easy answer instead of diving into why I'm struggling or why I'm having a rough time. Like it's just a, Oh, well I'll pray for you and then yeah. move on with their life. So and I, yeah. I think you can, you can tell like when you, when you're talking to the people, you know, the people that are being sincere. I have a friend in particular that I think about, I love her to death. She's amazing. She's one of my best friends at work and we talk about things and we, you know, spill it all out. And at the end she says, I know this might not mean something to you or mean as much to you, but I will definitely pray for you about this. And that's after she's said and done so many other things in the situation. And that's why I know that when she says that, that she's not just praying for me. She's praying for me on top of trying to help me. Yeah. You know, those, that, that's when it means the most. Yeah, I can even see that being a big, uh, a big uh, standing in the gap. Like somebody who is there for you uh, daily, who loves you, who talks to you, who helps you through things, and then also says, listen, I know you don't believe any of this shit, but I'm going to pray for you. I, I would literally be like, thank you. That wouldn't even be a knee jerk. It's the people that yeah. don't do anything. It's the yeah. people that don't show up when they when you need them. It's the people that sit behind the pews. It's the people that judge, and then they come up to you, and they look at you because, Lauren, you're depressed, and you need God, obviously, because you're depressed. Oh, I'll pray for you. Completely different on every level. Yeah. The question is, do you know me? Like, do you know me when you're saying that? Or have you not even it's bothered? Their yeah, it's their perception yeah. of you. Yeah. So, Lauren, do you wish in those instances that 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 they had and they're not even talking about this specific person but it could be like anyone in your family or you know an associate from that part of your past you wish they just have the balls to say like you're 
you're gay and I struggle with that. And, you know, let's explain this or talk, you know, give me a, give me a explanation or, you know, a conversation about this. Do you, do you, is that what, do you want that Lauren? Do you want that kind of honesty and, and challenge? Gosh, yes. I would love that. I mean, I would love that because then that would give me an opportunity to share where my heart is at with them. I feel like um, so many people don't know because they don't ask. And, um, you know, I was, I was outed to my, somebody from my extended family decided to, to, um, out me to my parents, um, before they had even talked to me about it, hadn't talked to me in years. Um, and it's still kind of a devastating thing to think about. And I'm not even angry about it anymore, but, I'm really disappointed because this person was very, very close to me. Um, and we, we worked closely together in the church for four years and, um, and they didn't even bother to talk to me about it. They, they just, um, decided to inform my parents kind of in a superior way. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a rough time, but all that to say, <laughs> I would love for people to come talk to me. I welcome it. I I would I would love that chance, but I'm not at the point where I'm going to go and fish for these conversations because I have um, long since become secure in who I am, and I don't feel like I have to prove myself to anybody or earn somebody's respect. If if I've lost respect in their eyes because I'm gay then I'm not even angry at them. I just, I don't need that in my life and, and I'm, I'm doing great without it. So I welcome anybody that wants to ask me anything, um, or, or say how they feel about anything, but let's have an adult conversation and get it all out instead of just, you know, assuming things in the background because that's exhausting. So, um, and you can totally, you can totally say no to this request. Uh, but, I'm ashamed to say I haven't done enough really study, I guess, from a biblical perspective of what the actual biblical arguments are that, hey, this is a sin and this is a problem. I I think for a long time, you know, even before I really deconstructed as a Christian, I leaned toward the theology of universalism, that that God loves us all and and God's going to take care of us all and, and none of this shit really matters. And so I, I leaned pretty far hard to the left, even as a Christian and as a working pastor. Um, so I never really did any kind of study in this uh, on a serious level. What would you say? And again, you can you can turn this question down. But Lauren, what would you say to a family member or someone who approached you? And I guess let's role play that conversation. So you know, I I come to you and I say, hey, this is a serious thing for X, Y, and Z biblical reason. And I care for your eternal soul, you know, what say you, you know, how do you respond to that? And how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, that is a big question. And there's a few different books on it that I've read, um, that kind of pick apart each of the, the Bible verses that, that talk about homosexuality. Um, I wish I had kind of studied up on them a little bit better before this podcast. Um, but basically, um, you know, interpreting the way that that stuff was interpreted from um, the original language that the passages were written in into English, um, there's definitely um, 
some question on um, what those words actually meant when they were written down, um, even the ones in the New Testament. Um, so that would probably be where I would start. Um, a lot of it was talking about, um, you know, older men sodomizing younger men in a way of showing dominance and abuse. Um, you know, there's there's obviously no reference to healthy adult homosexual relationships. Um, consensual so relationships. Consensual, right. right. It's, it's always in reference to this, um, you know, quote-unquote sexual immorality of just kind of like doing whatever you want to another individual and kind of more referring to it, like referring to the aspect of abuse, not, um, not obviously so much a, a consensual relationship. And so that's a big part of it for me. Um, there's still probably one other verse, um, that's a little bit difficult. Um, and honestly, I struggled for a long time with not being able to have an answer for each and every verse in the Bible that talks about it. Um, but to be honest with you, I've had to come to a place where I know that there um, is not going to be probably a perfect answer for every question that I have on that. There's a, a lot of missing answers for a lot of things um, in the Bible that I personally have. But all that to say, um, I have to come to a peace with knowing that <laughs> basically I fought for 10 plus years to not be gay with every fiber of my, my being. And I don't believe that God created me with something that was, would automatically condemn me to hell without any choice in the matter. And, um, that's kind of where I have to like mentally bring myself back to sometimes when I, cause it does bother me, you know, I don't have answers for everything and I probably won't. Um, but I still hold on to that knowing where my heart's at with all of it. And, um, and just, you know, I don't know, being okay with that for right now and not having all the answers. Cause I really love to have them <laughs> to kind of speak on a couple of those things. I. Uh, so the, the Bible is written originally in Hebrew and Greek. Um, and to chime in on what you were saying, Lauren, so there is no direct translation uh, between either of those languages and the word homosexuality. Um, mm -hmm. Those words kind of translate roughly to feminine and masculine. And actually there's a lot yeah. of, um, there is a lot of uh, uh, studies that show that to two men being together actually wouldn't have been a real big deal um, had one of the men been masculine and one of the men been feminine. Um, that actually would have been okay. Um, what wouldn't have been okay, actually, is funny enough, if two women were together and both were feminine, um, that it would actually hmm. be not okay. But if one of the women were of masculine nature and one were of feminine nature, that would have been accepted uh, by the society then. Even two men, if one was feminine and one was masculine, um, uh, involved in a consensual sexual relationship back then would have been considered okay. Um, so the whole homosexuality is, it, it is a very progressive modern term that we have projected onto um, very, very poorly um, interpreted scriptures uh, from there. So that's kind of like the, the very first thing that I kind of uh, 
want to chime in on real quick. So you were right on, you were right on point mm-hmm. with that. Like there is, there is no good. So every, every time somebody says, it says homosexuality. And I'm like, in English, in 2019, right. you're an ass yeah. hat. You know, like, like, <laughs> like you have no idea what, what culture was like back then. You know, men had uh, dozens and dozens of wives and that was just to to assure that their genes would be spread because you you know uh, infant mortality rate was so high and everything like it was not a big deal like there was different things going on and then the second thing kind of that I want to chime in a little bit on and I would love both uh, Robert and your your perspective on this Lauren was the whole um, like uh, like I, I have I have a hard time I have a hard time when when people say um, stuff like well you know. Uh, it's okay. It's understandable that gay people are born because, you know, uh, they're born into a fallen world, obviously. And, you know, I, and, and so, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, hold on. Okay. So first of all, you're, you're assuming and projecting that being homosexual is, is a blemish is Mm -hmm. something that is off from, uh, what it should be. And then second of all, you it's it's like if you just if you just take a manufacturer and any manufacturer in America and so th- this company they create things, anything that they create. And then if there is a problem, first of all, if there is a problem with any one of those things that they create, it it falls back on the manufacturer. You're not going to blame the the things that were created you know, like you, you have to, it goes back to the creator. It goes back to the manufacturer. It goes back to the place where it came from. So everything that comes from like, let's say for example, like this is like one of the biggest arguments that I have. This is one of the biggest struggles that I have with the idea that homosexuality is in fact a sin is because it's, it's like, you're saying, no, it's okay. We were born into a fallen world, but it's a world that God created and he has created everything. Therefore it's, it's like this, this, oxymoron that kind of flips back in on itself like it's not god's fault uh, you know it's obviously our fault but you there was no choice in the matter when you when either of you were born you didn't choose to be born and you didn't choose this life therefore you have now a blemish quote uh, on your life be- because of the fallen world like it, it, none of it makes sense to me like yeah. the idea that you could that you guys are living in sin that you're going to hell but had no choice in either the matter of being born or the matter of being homosexual like all of that bothers me on such a deep level because it's this cycle that is reinforcing a a model created so long ago and it's so unhealthy i'm i guess i just want i i want some reaction from from the side of the people that are going through this like what does that make you feel how how do you respond when when you hear like oh you're gay because you're 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 born into a world of sin and i want to be like with all of me shut up shut your mouth because your ignorance is is blinding you you idiots like like respond to that like how would how would you respond to that like i want i want to i want some resolve in this those you know those when when somebody brings something like that to the table those are the types of people that already in their mind have it made up what it means to be gay and what it means to live that life and it's almost as though it's 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 their own sort of 
comfort knowing that, well, I don't have to worry about changing my perspective because it's their problem. They were the ones born of this. So I don't have to learn. Mm-hmm. From it. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to have anything to do with it. Um, so my gut reaction is to tell those people to shut up, you know, like tell those people like that's, you know, you're not willing to learn. So there's no point in having this type of discussion. Um, and I know that that's not always a progressive conversation to have, but a lot of the times the people that are bringing those types of arguments to the table already know and are probably going to die thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had this conversation with my dad actually, um, pretty much one of the first conversations we really had after I came out. Um, and you know, he, he listened to my story and I started from the beginning and, and it was really refreshing. Um, and we were always very close when I was growing up. We would always have these long talks about life. Um, but anyway, his his conclusion, he said, he goes, you know, I know that this is not something that you have chosen. I believe that because this obviously is not a convenient road for you. Like uh-huh. growing up in a Christian home, this is, this is not a convenient road. You're not somebody that's trying to get attention. Like obviously it took you this long to come out. You know, I, I, I believe you that this is not something you'd chosen, but his, um, his resolution, I guess, to that though, was that, well, I guess God intended for me to be single for the rest of my life. And, um, we've had, we've had multiple conversations about this. Um, and I love him to death. Um, but that's where we disagree. And the Bible is even very clear about people not, very many people are meant to be alone their whole life. So um, I am one of those that is not meant to be alone. Uh, you burn with I lust. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was, I, I know, just no, heavy, heavy no on that one. Um, so, you know, that's where he and I very much disagree. And um, I know that's hard for him for sure. But, um, but yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I do not believe that because I am attracted to women that I'm supposed to be alone. And that, that doesn't line up for me any more biblically than anything else. So, yeah. So Robert, we've, we've heard, uh, we've heard Lauren talk about kind of suppressing, uh, her sexuality, her, her, uh, gayness, I guess, uh, because it was something that was not convenient uh, in her lifestyle, in her family, in her uh, religion, um, you have kind of a different uh, point of view because you didn't grow up religious. You didn't grow up uh, in in that kind of family that was that was you know like Lauren's. Was there ever a time in your life where you just where you felt like you had to suppress your sexuality and where that you felt like this is not. I don't want this or, or, you know, this is not good. You know, was there ever a moment for you and what was that like? You know, did you ever have to kind of push down who you were to try to satisfy anyone else? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my family may, you know, as amazing as they may be, I don't come from like a, a super religious or excuse me, a super liberal family. Um, it wasn't something that was just welcomed with open arms and it was something that I knew was going to be an issue. Um, so I do absolutely specific remember times where specifically remember times where I was, you know, putting these thoughts in the back of my head. I had girlfriends um, <laughs> somehow uh, in like middle school and early high school. Um, and 
it wasn't really until high school that I knew that I was gay, but I was still dating girls just to cover up. Like I definitely had that realization. Like when I was a freshman or a, um, a sophomore, I was like, you, why are you dating this girl? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, but I, I absolutely was doing it because I knew the alternative was to face a truth that I don't think I was ready to face. And I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what kind of support was going to be out there for me. Um, so there was a sense of, well, shit, I can't, you know, I can't be who I am now without having to worry about all, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and another reason I think I, when I did come out and I got, I was, I wanted to mention this earlier. Um, some of the teachers that we had when we were in school, man, they were like the best people, <laughs> right? Like, am I wrong? Like Sarah freaking Rice. Sarah, Rice. Rice. <laughs> Sarah Rice was literally dude, one yeah. of the most impactful people in my life because she just, Without even having to say her story or tell us anything about her, she was just like, I get you. You you are you are seen, you are heard, I understand you. And I am forever grateful for people like her. And like we I just I got so lucky. I had a relationship like that with Miss Dingman, which I know a lot of people didn't have much of a relationship with Miss Dingman, but she she just she loved me, man. She just was like, you know, I remember specifically it was a blood drive. I was student council president. And we had a blood drive and my roommate, who was also gay, um, who was opening my door right now, I think, uh, he went to donate blood and he did. And there was this big ordeal um, in regards to gay men not being gay. And I remember Mrs. Dingman was just livid when they wouldn't let my roommate give blood because he was devastated. There was this, the, like a huge reaction from everybody. It just was so like I had no idea. Like so many people even now have no idea that gay men can't give blood. Um, regardless of whether or not they test the blood and everything that goes into that. But so many times I was just grateful for the teachers stepping in. And I remember it being like a, a huge deal back then. Can gay men still gay, not give blood? Gay men in they, 2019 still cannot give blood. I they're think working there was on just that. Some re- some, yeah. Just now some legislation yeah. uh, to try to reverse that. Yeah. I am shocked. I had no Rice, idea. Ms. Yeah. Rice really was the best though. She used to like, bum me cigarettes uh, <laughs> i used to borrow her car and, and like drive around town to skip class i took spanish for three years i don't know a fucking word tell spanish. you spanish I, I literally say that almost word for word like i took three years of spanish i'm like me gusta los animals right like i like that's, animals. that's all i know i went to mexico and i was like i don't fucking know If you could tell anyone now that is gay um, and struggling with their family or struggling with their religion or maybe they're stuck in a religion or um, uh, they're afraid to come out because of their family or their religion or any, any bit of what you associate with, what would you tell them? How would you encourage them? Um, what advice would you give them? Hmm. Um, I think I'd start by just saying it's going to be okay. Um, there, there was a campaign, this, I think the it gets better campaign or something. I remember, uh, quite a few years ago. Um, but it's, it's true. Um, coming out is easier for some than others. There's no question about that. Um, 
possibly everything that that you're afraid of might happen. Um, but there's something so freeing about um, being able to be who you are. I, I, I'm not really sure how I hid it for so long, and I think it was very unhealthy for me. Um, I feel like I missed out on a lot um, of just that feeling of being free because I was so afraid. And it's there's nobody in this world who has an opinion that matters enough to keep you from that. And so um, just, um, I don't know, if, if I were to talk to myself in, in 2006, um, I'd probably just say, let it all go. And um, things, cards will fall where they will, um, but it will get better. And it's going to be a hell of a lot better than the way it is now. So um and the people that really matter, the people um, that really love you, they will stick around and they will dig in and they will still want to know who you are regardless. And um, everybody else, just they don't matter anymore. So, yeah. What would you tell the junior high schooler, the high schooler right now that is currently going through what you went through in order to in order to, in, in order to help them get through to a place to where you are today because you're you're helping people like like that's your entire life and i don't i don't think that's a coincidence i don't think you you fell into this role that you're in because you were just like oh that looks like fun i feel like you've in a sense you you had you have this this calling on your life uh this and non-religious this this calling you you've you've been You've been chosen to help people and why what you went through got you there. What would you tell the same, like, what would you tell, you know, 2002, 2001, Robert, what would you tell him? Um, Okay. So first of all, in regards to the question of what I would, uh, you know, tell 2003, 2002, Robert, um, stay away from anybody named Brett and anybody named Harry. Not gonna, <laughs> it's not gonna go well. <laughs> um, just Brett and Harry. Just no, don't do it. Um, but in uh, all seriousness, um, I would tell myself to nurture my creative side and put everything that I felt and everything that I was harboring into um, a side of myself that I only just as like uh, in my late 20s started to nurture was, you know, I'm an artist. And I didn't know that back then. You know, I always I so I would want to tell myself, you know, nurture, take these take this energy that is coming to you, this negative energy and turn it into something beautiful um, because you're capable of it. You can totally do it. It's, it's amazing. And it's the biggest relief that you can get when something is tearing you down. Um, I would let myself know that no matter what anybody has to say now, the future is what matters. And the people that you're going to meet are the people that are going to be your family. Um, Like RuPaul is one of my favorite people in the world. I love him to death. And one of the things that he says is we get to choose our family. And I always, always think about that. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a family that I do love and does support me, but at the same time, I don't live with that. I don't live in Bellevue. I don't see them very often. So I've created a family for myself here in Lansing of people that I trust 
and support and support me. And I just want to let myself back then know that if you're not feeling it now, trust me, you will. Um, you, 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 it's going to happen. Um, and like Lauren said, it gets better. Like there's, there's no way that everything you're living now is, you know, going to be what defines you. Um, so I would just encourage myself to, yeah, ride the ride. <laughs> You have the whole world's attention right now. Is there anything you'd want to say? They're all listening. The first pride was a riot. <laughs> Stonewall, New York City. Nice. Um, and that's what's going, you know, one of the big arguments around right now is, you know, why isn't there a straight pride? Which I just, I just lack. Every time I hear that argument, it just kills me. It's it's like I saw the perfect meme where it was all these people gathered in one place and a couple of people said, hey, can we come in? And they were like, no, this isn't for you. I'm like, okay, we'll make our own place. And so we made our own place and they said, well, why can't we come in? And it's like, oh, well, now you get it. Like, it's, it's yeah, that's just, I, I've, I've, I've looked at pride differently this year for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if it's just getting older and becoming like coming into like my wise gay man years. It's, calling them um i've I've put a lot of emphasis on the history of where we came from and i think that's really important every day this month i've been sharing um every single day i've shared an lgbt trailblazer uh that has affected me personally or somebody that i've grown up with and i'm doing it because i want to educate myself and i want to educate the world like this is something that i become really passionate about and i have learned so much about our community that i didn't even have any idea about at a 32 at 32 years old like so much um i think for me (laughs) i'm just going to use this platform um maybe as a little bit of a challenge to anybody out there who knows me or people who maybe know of me or um just have questions um, to all the people that um, I've known in the past that have been so upset by hearing that I'm gay. Um, come talk to me. I dare you to come talk to me and find out about my life and ask me questions. Ask me the hard questions because um, I'm not afraid to talk about it. Um, and I think I think a lot of us in the gay community feel that way, probably about long lost friends and family members. Um, Maybe not everyone, but um, come talk to us. We're not hiding. We're just spending our energy where uh, where we know it's valued. Ashlyn, you got anything else? No, I think uh, Robert and Lauren um, summarized this beautifully. Yeah. Uh, I, I really appreciate you guys. And um, I don't know, it probably doesn't have to be said, but you know, the person the person I am today and the position that I take and the things I think are not what they were uh, 15 years ago or 20 years ago um, and so retroactively I'm so sorry yeah. you know I genuinely am so sorry uh, if if I've ever said something or believed something or thought something or took a position that was anything other than loving you and and um, I think about that now yeah. and I'm, you know, again, like Robert, we, the other night when we talked, I honestly don't know, but I could have, I, I'm perfectly capable 
of having treated you like shit in high school. I don't know that I did, but I know that I was way more concerned with what everyone thought of me uh, than what I, the way I treated anyone else. And so, you know, when I was thinking about you and thinking about having you on the show, I just thought, man, I could have been a dick to him. I have no idea. And, but so, you know, even if I wasn't, I'm sorry that I was even capable of it. And thank you. Thank, thank both of you very much for, uh, for just sharing your stories and for enlightening us and helping us, you know, to be better. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's funny. I, I keep saying this, this saying that's been a huge life ethos in my life. And it's, if I have extra lumber, if I have extra material in my life, I'm going to build my table larger, not my fence higher. And I kind of like when I first started saying that, I kind of thought like I saw my table being set and I was like over here, this is like where I'm going to, you know, invite um, the homosexual or the homosexuals. This is where I'm going to invite <laughs> <laughs> the homosexuals. This is where I'm going to invite um, the Muslims. And this is where I'm going to invite the, the refugees. And this is where I'm going to, and I, like I had all these designated spots and like where I'm come now, it's just like humans this is a spot for a human that's a spot for a human like literally i'm i'm trying to re even structure how i view my own table and having you guys on today i feel like is is still doing that like there isn't a spot for the homosexuals because you're human and so are we and let's all just sit at the table and eat and talk and love and that's it